Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep talking. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep... HBI podcast, health, business, and in between. I might have got played by the robot voice there. And the full team are back. We're all here. Well, Dan's half here because I think you uh, excommunicated half your body with Barley Belly and your uh, little holiday from what I hear, mate. Uh, so uh, as, I, as I used to like to call it, if you go to a fitness holiday and you haven't uh, achieved the results you want, just drink some water on the way out. Yeah. You'll uh, you drop the rest of that weight pretty quickly. Uh, but today... Oh, savage. Fast, effective way to shred. Farley belly. Oh, man. We've all been <laughs> there. Uh, been there unintentionally and, well, actually, no, I don't, can't say I've ever done it intentionally. But today, hot topic, being, I guess, being serious or being accurate with patient diagnostics. There is a habit or a tendency, and I think we've all done it at times, to underplay the seriousness of things because you're trying to be supportive of patients. Or... I think this is probably more common is because you already know that, you know, from your experience that if they do the work, you can sort this out. Mm. And then what happens is the patient interprets it as not a big deal. And they're like, sweet. So I just, I don't need to come in. I don't need to do anything. Cause like you said, it's not a big deal. So today we really want to just have a good round, quick round table around the idea of, you know, really being honest and accurate with patients and really, you know, it's not about scaring people because that isn't right, but it's about making sure that you let them know the, true situation and what it's going to require and what the consequences are if they do do what they need to and if they don't want they do what they need to do so ben run it in right i was just telling the lads i'm I'm passionate about this and they're saying are you passionate about downplaying it and softening the blow for your clients Are are you passionate about sort of you know being transparent and honest as to what is actually going on and making sure you're communicating that in a way that the client is understanding because as nate mentioned before there's got a specific example um dan and i have a, a have a specific examples as well but at times if you, i think there's two problems that they're at hand but the result is the client typically doesn't get the message or communication that is necessary and then often symptoms can continue um and are likely to get uh, stay the same or get worse which is then obviously kind of um contradicting why they're coming to see you. So I believe there's two problems that exist here. One is maybe the clinician's ability to not understand like pathological progression of some pathologies, injuries, you know, tendon tears, arthritic changes, whatever it may be. Um, a few special ones that, that Nate's going to bring up later. Um, and secondly, the, the major problem I think is not being able to communicate it in a way to your clients. I think that doctors do it well, surgeons do it well, Maybe not the the communication part of it, but they will see you know what what's transparently at hand, and they'll go, well, this is the problem. These are your solutions. They may lack bedside manner. These are assumptions. It's just sort of what I've heard in the past. But I think there's a way to 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 deliver sometimes like bad news. Um, as long as I think if you've got a few aces up your sleeve and you go, well, here's solution A, B, and C. But often you feel quite guilty. I think as a practitioner, because I'm. I've done this before is a knowing what's happening, but not articulating completely in its entirety, what's happening or B misdiagnosing or misinterpreting the finding on an MRI or whatever it may be, and not being able to articulate as the primary care health professional for that person. So I think either outcome is that the person is, um, you know, not getting best possible uh, 
client-centered care. And secondly, uh, it can end up being quite bad for the client if it's a misdiagnosis, because then all of your treatment solutions and your rehab can also be um, you know, inflammatory or it can actually either maintain the current condition or actually worsen the current problem. So I'm sure we can all relate and we all can be empathetic here. But um, in my opinion, if you don't know pathoanatomically what is happening and B, if you can't articulate in a way to your client, you're going to end up with an upside, upset client either way. 100%. I think um, another big thing as well, especially like for me when I first came out was, um, you know, not wanting to, I think you might've said it, Ben, like not wanting to offend people or kind of being more concerned about them liking you. <laughs> I think in the early stages, like when you're young and you first come out, um, which is obviously going to be doing them a disservice because, you know, you're not actually telling them the full situation and it's not from a bad intent sort of thing, but yeah, sometimes it can be hard to deliver, can can be hard to deliver that news if you don't currently have that, you know, communication skill set or experience or confidence to actually deliver that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as personally for me, as I've progressed and gotten a little bit more experience, it's a conversation you get more comfortable having and you start to be more concerned about the client's outcome versus them liking you or them being upset at you for a small period of time. So I think it's like, if we zoom out and look at any other sport, you know, you don't necessarily like your coaches half the time. You don't necessarily like your parents a lot of the time, but you know, what they do best is they tell you how it is and they, they give you the, the tough news so you can improve. And I feel like as a practitioner, it's the same sort of role as a coach. And sometimes it's tough to have those conversations, but telling them directly what the facts are and what their options are. So then that person can have the power to make a decision, whatever the decision is, um, to choose their own pathway. And then obviously our role is just to facilitate whatever pathway they choose. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, 100%, right? And like, listen, I think we all as health practitioners at times, and I steal this directly from a colleague of mine, Craig Wood, he's like, he calls himself a recovering people pleaser, right? Like, we want to help people, we want to like support them. And sometimes we do that by letting them off the hook. And certainly off the hook in like, not in a negative sense, but like by not being honest with what's going on, right? Like trying to tell them that a ligamentous issue is going to heal over two weeks when you know it's a nine month process, right? Because that's what they want to hear. Like an acute disc injury right now, who just wants to be out of pain and you're like, absolutely. But this thing doesn't happen overnight. Like this is going to take time. And like, if you are not honest about that, you're just setting yourself up for a hard time in practice. And I think like you said, when we all started, you know, when you come out, from being a student you still got that student mentality you're not confident with yourself um and if you are that's probably more of a worry um but that's a whole different podcast frankly um uh, but you you know like you've got all these sort of like problems with money you're, you're like busy and then so you're you you're often you're going to try and just tell people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear and i think you know as you get out of that mindset like you said damn you start to realize and one of the biggest realizations for myself is like because we like to call it you're like you're the prize like if people want to work with you you do things a particular way you people come to you because you do get results and you tell it how it is. And like, if people don't want what you're delivering, that's fine. But it should be because they're just like almost from the start, like, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what it means. This is what happens. If we do this, this is what happens. If we don't do this, mm -hmm. what do you want to do? And then they're like, ah, oh, I'm fine. I'm going to keep it. You're like, sweet. No worries. I'm here when you want to take this seriously or, you know, when it's a priority for you, but you don't have to stress like, cause otherwise, you know, myself, I like wake up in the morning, the night, you wonder how that person's doing. I haven't heard from them. Like I'm really worried. And like, it's a, it's a, it's just a stressful existence. Cause if you flat out laid it out for someone, you were honest, 
and they chose not to go down that pathway, well, then it's not your responsibility anymore. And like, like we always say, like the door's always open, but this is how I do it. This is what needs to be done. If you don't want to do that, that's your decision, but I ain't going to change who I am or what I do. So the example I just want to bring up, I had this with the boys, that's where it sort of came from, is the underplaying the significance of things. And you know, I had a patient, early 60s, this um, is a while back now, came in upper back, sort of uh, cost of transverse ribby sort of dysfunction. Um, and due to the chronicity of it, the severity of it, and the line, obviously the, um, his age and a bit of um, other history, we decided to get some spinal x-rays. And he had DISH, so diffuse idiopathic skeletal hypostosis. So basically, from about, from memory, it was about T1C7 to almost L3 was essentially already seeing fusion of all the ligaments. It was showing signs of progression. And so it wasn't necessarily the thing we were, you know, expecting, but it's a significant thing, right? Like if that's going to continue, he's going to continue to see reductions in range of motion, uh, you know. And we all know as we get reductions in range of motion, we're going to see increases in nociception. We're going to see further usually, you know, habituating postures and stuff like that, which we know have links through the research in reductions in life expectancy and other things. So I underplayed it. I was like, all right, this is going on, you know, you're a bit older, but you know, it's it's, it's not an issue. We just need to keep some movement in there, right? Like we'll work on this sort of pain. And he was like, yep, sweet, no worries. And two weeks in, you know, like the generalized sort of pain he had from the rib motion it sort of settled and he's like sweet i'm all done i'll see you later and you know i now like i know for a fact that person's life's going to be worse off because we didn't get them to take ownership of it even if the ownership was not in my clinic it was them to go to the pt twice a week just to at least maximize movement capacity there was an opportunity missed to have the deeper conversation that needed to happen and you know i have to own that moving forward and it's something that will still come up and this was jesus probably half a decade ago now where I wake up at night and be like, oh, man, I could have... It haunts you. Yeah, like if i just gone, like, who knows what's happened? Um, you know, there's been a number of instances in my career where I'll still be like, I should have, like, sounds bad, but gone harder. And it was not gone harder in an unethical way. And I know that I harp on that we shouldn't need to have to put that caveat on, but it's not scaring people, but I should have had a real honest conversation about exactly what was going on there, why it was a problem and what the consequences are and what his treatment options were, rather than I was too focused at the time, you know, I was chasing pain and was it the Vladimir Yanda? Those who chase pain are often lost. Like I lost it on that one. And so it's been, you know, it was a really great learning experience, but if we're not honest, we're not going to get great results. And it's just not good for you, your mindset, for your practice. Do you ever end up reaching out to him? Uh, he was back in Victoria and this is a long, long time ago. So though, though I have had times where I have a hundred percent reach back out, um, but as we all know, with, you know, we'll call it a reactivation, when you reach back out and check in, see what's going on, how getting that reconnection, like you've already burnt one opportunity, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's a harder return. Whereas if you'd been more upfront on the start, there's more of a chance through there. So 100% Dan's right there. Like there's never a reason you can't reach out. Um, and we did actually reach back out. I think it was about a month after and probably about six months. I'd be like, hey, checking in, you know, we should get on top of this and just, you know, crickets. Yeah, I think it's, that's an important story for, and everyone can can take something from that example because I've been there before, and I'm sure many other health professionals have been there before. It's not like um, you know you, you, you're transparent to a fact, and, and the byproduct of being transparent is that um, it, it actually serves you better. Not only 
you know, psychologically, emotionally, that you're treating someone better and they understand that and they, you've, you've equipped them with, with the information they need and the, and the tools they need, then it's, as Nate said, it's their responsibility then to handle their own and take an onus for their own health. But um, it's not like obviously the primary reason you do it, but it also sets out the the stage from A to Z and go, look, look this will take X amount of time. It's been transparent on the diagnosis. The treatment sessions are ne- necessary. What health professionals might need to be included in this? Even if it's not yourself, um, maybe what scans this person needs to go get, et cetera, et cetera. And that creates much better buy-in. So the person is actually understands that, hey, this will take X amount of time. So therefore, um, these are the sessions that I'll need to do with Nate or Dan or, or whoever the, the health professional is. So there is an element of sales to that as well, because you're actually identifying the problem at its core and making sure that the person has, is well informed of what's happening in the pathology that's happening. Now, I had a, another example as well. Um, and again, like <coughs> hearing things from a client about other health professionals that they see is a bit of a Chinese whispers type of game yeah. because you don't always, like you go to see your accountant or uh, I don't know, someone like a lawyer or something like that who you got nothing in common with and they're, they're just rambling, um, <clears throat> ranting off like, you know, these are the solutions for you. This is what we can do when we can't do or you go to the mechanic or something like that. For me, I'm like, Fuck, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do we need to do to fix it? How much is it going to cost? Um, and that's sort of the information I'm after. Can you put something in writing so I can go do something later on? So on that topic, like that's why I like to put a lot of my shit in writing. After I do an initial consult with someone, I'll go, here's the pathologies I think that are going on. Um, you're more than welcome to do some research on this. This may not be right. You need to go do X, Y, and Z after this. Scans, refer here, whatever it may be. But I had a guy come in last week, uh, nasty dislocation, 10 mil depression, fracture in the humerus, uh, just um, skiing accident, dislocated shoulder. And like a 50%, it, was, it wasn't a great MRI, but like infraspinatus tear, tendon tear. And the guy's two months later, comes in, you can't see what I'm doing. He had like 50% range of motion in all directions. I'm like, so fuck, I think you've got some adhesive capsulitis going on here as well. After such a significant trauma, early 40s. He's like, yeah, I've been seeing my osteo every two weeks since the incident. Got the MRI and everything. And he just, you know, two, two months after you wouldn't, you'd expect someone who's had a dislocation, they can move their arm at least in full range of motions. I'm like, like, have you heard of that before? He's like, nah, it's the first time I've ever heard that. I'm like, fuck, you need to go get PRP. You need to go, um, we're going to um, send you down to the sports doctor and implement these stretches, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe it was missed. As I said before, there's a problem with incorrectly identifying things and, and the progression of pathology. Because at first, those symptoms don't rear their head. And obviously it's a something, a latent response, like a capsulitic sort of response. Anyway, like severely debilitating, like the guy can't take his shirt off properly. You know, he can't train, obviously. He can't even lift his arm past his shoulder. I'm like, all right, you should do X, Y, and Z after this. And he's like, yeah, very appreciative of that. And now he's going to go down that road. But like sometimes things are very easily missed that can have a significant effect on the person's well-being. So I think that um, A, identifying the problem. B, as we said, explaining to them in, in a communicable way that is digestive for them. And then pointing them in the right direction, say, hey, this is this is how I can help. This is how someone else can help. This is what this scan means and like the, the seriousness of this scan. This is probably why the pathology has arisen. But I think that's part of the art of being a really good practitioner is to be able to articulate all of that and orchestrate that and orchestrate the management plan properly as well. So that's just one fresh example that I think a misdiagnosis happened. And as a result, you know, a, a poor recognition of the problem will always lead to usually a poor solution <clears throat> i think you're banging on about the uh the writing as well because i think um yeah i liked your analogy about the accountants because yeah 
I think obviously when we're trying to explain things to people, a lot of it's going to be jar. Even though we're trying to explain it well, it's like um, I forget. Yeah, like it's we, we're not trying to explain it in jargon, but even when you kind of break down the jargon into simplistic terms, it's still completely different language. So I think even just from a perspective of information overload, having some sort of structure post consult, you know, some sort of template or some sort of uh, document. And, and, and I know you do something similar, Ben. I'm sure Nate does as well with um, your consult. After every consult, initial consult. Yeah, like having a really like in depth, you know, outline of you know, what the findings were, what the diagnosis was, what the options are, what they need to do, further management, further studies, and then making sure they've obviously got a good understanding of that. Because I think if you, there's, there's so much importance on that initial consult, they don't understand what's going on. It's like it really sets the tone for the next you know, a few months moving ahead. So like we really I put, I think more emphasis on that and not gloss over it, which I don't know what you guys were like, but when I first started, I feel like it was almost glossed over a bit. Like you do the initial consult in the first hour and then that would kind of be it. And then as I started progressing, you know, a few months in, I was really realizing this and starting to put more emphasis on more backend work to try and make that initial consult as thorough as possible because then that really set the tone for getting better results later on yeah listen i think i mean obviously i do a, like a two-part initial with an initial and a report but the initial has like instead of a written thing it has like a type of text message check-in where i just check in follow up any questions and so like just really like like there's a lot of in-depth on that side and then obviously following the report the entire visit is just focused on going through things explaining diagnosis prognosis everything right and then it's going all right now we're going to set the plan this is what you get from here and this is where we go so it's it's nice because it's again it's just obviously the way in chiropractic that i've was trained and always done it but um and i know it's different in different um industries but i just find like trying to get everything in the one visit would just be so much overload for people at times whereas this at least gives them time to go all right here's here's some general stuff hey checking in anything else you wanted to know in the meantime to catch up all right we're catching up how'd you go all right we did this this is what that means this is what this means this is what we're going to do let's go so it's a really nice way instead of, you know, you're taking the extra time instead of every time you have to go, all right, did you have any other questions? Is there any other questions? Because what you want to be, once you set someone on a plan, it should be just sticking to the plan, right? Like, you know, if you tell someone something's going to take 12 weeks, you know, um, we're going to have to do X and Y, it's not like that you're not checking in, but you shouldn't need, unless something's not tracking with, you know, each session you should have your general testing and markers that tell you that you're on track. Unless something is not changing there you shouldn't need to spend a bunch of time rechecking in and stuff like that right i know this is tangential to what we're actually talking about today but it's a really important one because i think people overdo every session diagnostics mm. but you should just have a couple of tag tests where it's like all right are we on track you know anything like i love the expression from one of my colleagues is um martin harvey's like it's not how you're doing. It's like anything new and anything new or different, right? Because like if you tell someone's going to take 12 weeks to really sort of see the result they're looking for, and then every session you're like, how do you feel today? How do you feel today? There's a there's a mismatch of your ideas there, right? Like mm. you told them it's going to still be solved for another at least six to 12 weeks. And then on day Short one, time. you're like, are you better yet? And they're like, well, should I be better? And you're like, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> not yeah. Unless you're some, like, unless you, you know, Jesus came down and gave you the old touch and you bounce back up. Um you know the old uh, Hillsong Church miracle, um, but the the thing is, like at the end of the day, and this comes back to being honest with people, right? You have to be able to have those conversations with patients, which is I'm just like, sweet, lie down, check, we're gonna check in. Is there anything new or different that I need to know? Oh, there's nothing, sweet. Let's check in. Let's do what we need to do. Let's keep you on plan on the progress so we get the result we're looking for. And it's reattaching the result, right? Like 
for any especially the newer practitioners or students listening in like people don't come to you for pain let's be friggin' honest they come for a lack of status um and if you've read russell Brunson's sex move secrets you understand the status <laughs> just like being high class it's an inability to do things that you see as part of your identity right like you know play with your kids, go to the gym, all these things. That is what brings someone in your door, whether they want to admit it or not. And that's what you need to attach your outcomes to because that's how you get by and how you actually get the best results for people because otherwise you're not going to do that. And again, this comes back to the start. Like if your results just to get pain-free, well, then you're going to miss all the underlying issues that most likely contributed to them getting pain and you're going to set them on the roller coaster of sometimes good, sometimes shit, right? Whereas if you can actually buy it by and explain diagnostically exactly what's going on most importantly explain why that's happening explain that if we do this we're going to get x result you know you're, you're going to bench press 150 and then that's our tag list so how are we doing with that where are we at right we're 140 beautiful we're moving forward we're going well that's how you get longevity for someone attached to specific performance outcomes rather than just do i feel shitty today because frankly mm. i feel shitty a lot of the time but that's just because i like to plug the body I think a lot of good points and I've got two things to bring up. One thing is what you just said, like that's, that's the whole, like it might seem very superficial and a bit fluffy, but the goals, like if you don't dive and press hard enough on the person's reason for being there, or it's like uh, we used to run the PT hump for self weight, weight loss PT physio company where we would handle a lot of weight loss. It's like, oh, I just want to lose 10 kegs. Well, why? Do you want to lose 10 kids? If you don't push hard <laughs> enough on the emotional buttons that people have, and as Nay said, it's an interruption in, in their life and their habitual sort of routine that they have. Like there's deeper underlying reasons that people come. It's like, oh, I just want to fix my shoulder. Okay, cool. Well, why do you want to fix your shoulder? Um, because it's, it's in pain. All right, why is it in pain? Um, maybe because of this. Well, what's stopping you from doing? Oh, I can't bench press anymore. Okay, cool. Do we do, stop there or do we go deeper? It's like, well, summer's coming up and I want to look great and this is like really bothering me. My delts aren't capped enough. Whatever it may be, you know what I mean? It's interrupting me at work. It's interrupting me at night. Like there are deeper reasons and superficial reasons. So that again is a communication skill in itself is that you, you need to dive deep enough into these people's problems for them to go, well, this is probably the real reason i'm here and you've sort of fleshed that out by doing that um the other thing i was going to mention is that uh the way i, I learned to communicate really well and to help to diagnose and run my initial consultations and whatnot is I, i've this is what we keep harping on about but i spent so much time with other health professionals who are more experienced than me and in different fields especially hanging around doctors and like sports docs and, and surgeons and whatnot sure they might not be the best at communicating however they're very comprehensive and thorough obviously in their field and then they'll then they'll be very transparent and black and white with the client here's what's going on here's your options these are the other people we can get involved in your treatment <clears throat> so i learned a lot of how i talk to people and communicate and how i run the session not only from experienced people in my field which was initially where i was with other physios but obviously spending time with other health professionals and that's where you learn to not only articulate and communicate things possibly in a different way than what you've traditionally learned but um, it also opens your eyes to the uh, the additional pathologies and seriousness of pathologies that might exist. So it's like, you may think you're the king, but like Nathan said, like if you come out and, and you grad and, and you're fucking, you're the man, you know, you, you're the king, you know everything. But it's a classic example of if you don't know what you don't know until like something pops up, like the boys said dish this today. And I was like, what does that even mean? Nate's like, 
just fucking face palmed and said, nah, that's just shameful. But I'm like, fuck, what does that even mean? It's the, the hardening of your soft tissues are your tendons and ligaments, which obviously will become quite a problem. So you need to be humble enough also to admit that, you know, sometimes you don't know everything and sometimes you might make mistakes with your client. You might have to go back a second or third time around and say, hey, look, upon further investigation, this is why it's not why it's important to not jump the gun and say you're going to be all good because it's like, how bad is that when you go, oh, you're sweet? And then they come back, you're like, oh, that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. they, lose, they lose faith in you as well as a practitioner. 100%, man. Like people aren't, you know, you've got to buy the right to have that as well, right? You know, like you have to be honest when you don't know. You have to, it's okay to say you don't know, but it's also be honest to say, you know, when it's not something you handle or when you're like, hey, listen, I think as we progress, because it's always a working diagnosis, right? Mm. No matter what you've Makes done, sense. it's your most likely diagnosis. And sometimes over time that's going to change. And then a lot of the time, there's two things going on and it's now the second one that's rearing its head up, right? So mm. as you say, it's the Shrek syndrome because onions have layers and as you as you pull the layers back, right? Sometimes you oh, find other more problems. But I think you make a really good point around GPs and surgeons, right? And it's, again, it's not that they, people often think it's the bedside manner, right? But it's, you do learn significance and severity because they don't mince words, there's no time for filler. It's just like mm. bang, bang, bang. And I know people don't always like that, but yeah. I always make this analogy. It's probably the second Problem time I've said solution. it or the third time I've said it on this podcast. But when I was in South America, there was a doc. He wasn't there when I, I left, but there were still stories about him where he was probably the busiest practitioner they'd ever had down there. And he was down there for about four or five years. And in that time, still never learned Spanish properly, right? Like still never got fluent. Never bothered. And the reason he was the busiest is because he had a captive vocabulary. So when he would explain something's going on, it was just distinct. It was just like, you know, problem, 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 prognosis, solution, do this. And because he seemed so serious about it, people were like, fuck, we're on. All right, yeah. Uh Whereas if you like, when you have the greater vocabulary, you're like, oh, listen, so you know, there's too much filler, right? You tell you where he's just just like, this is like, shit, 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 do this, sort it. And it's just like, okay. And so sometimes it's a good reminder that, you know, like take out the fluff. Like, again, like we said, do it the right way. We're not here to scare people, but you have to be honest. And if you're honest, you can't be wrong, right? If you're honest about what you think is going on, why, what the process is going to look like, and then honest, if you got it wrong and you need to make a pivot, you're never going to be, it's never going to be a problem. And you're always going to get the best results. So, you know, said everything it's honesty first and then just go hard and don't cheat people of the right to great results perfect Elite. done so <laughs> that's it i've committed i've committed there it feels like that feel like it was enough said so that was it as always please if you got something today grab that screenshot throw us up tag us in we'd love to help uh, i had a couple of people dropping in the dms recently asking for advice or you know particular topics for episodes so if that is you, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you and leave us a five-star review wherever you're getting your podcast because it helps us share the message. And if we get more practitioners doing well, we get more people doing well and everybody's happy. So until next week, lads, bye. Thank you. See ya.